Learn from the greatest marketing minds in business, media, and entertainment. This is Marketing Legends. Here's your host, Matt Lights. Welcome back to Marketing Legends, and today we've got an absolute marketing genius for you, Mr. Eben Pagan. This is a guy I've respected for many years. Eben has absolutely dominated in multiple industries, and he does it with such a unique fashion. Today, you're going to learn not only marketing tactics, but how to just dominate anything that you do. And we're going to talk about some AI too. You know, that always gets me excited. So um, if you haven't already, make sure that you go to marketinglegends.com slash Eben, that's E-B-E-N, and you're going to get some really awesome bonuses and help a great cause. So with that said, let's go ahead and kick this sucker off. All right, here with the one and only Evan Pagan. Evan, how are you, my friend? Hey, Matt. Great to be here, man. So excited to have you on. You've got one of those brains I just want to pry open, man, and I want to get into it. So, um, so Evan, I want to talk about AI because I went right up front. I just want to let the people know that you're the very first human being that I ever heard about AI from. Hmm. This is like you, right. you called the shot, to say the least. So we're going to dig into that, all right? Um, but I'd, I'd love to just kind of talk a, a little bit about your journey because I, I know you've started a ton of different businesses. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, I think you really made your mark big time in the in the dating industry. Was that the first one that popped? Yeah. You know, about 20 years ago, I wrote a book of dating advice called Double Your Dating. I uh, used a pen name, David D'Angelo. And I had, you know, I tried other businesses before then. I had worked in the real estate industry. I'd done a few different things, but that was the one, you know, and of all things, I locked myself in my bedroom for three weeks and I wrote a book of dating advice and I put it online. My good friend, Dean Jackson showed me how to, you know, do pay-per-click marketing and I had to figure out how to make a website and all that stuff. And it took off and it did really well. And I started, you know, doing online courses and seminars and so forth. And yeah, and then that led to me teaching entrepreneurship and, productivity and coaching and relationships and a lot of different things. But yeah, that was my first uh, real big hit. So you were just wearing a, a D mood, right? You're like double your dating by David D'Angelo. Right? <laughs> well, there's actually a big, if you want to get into, I mean, if you want to talk marketing and branding and naming yeah. and so forth, there's a lot in that name. Um, and we can, you know, we can go into that if you want as well, but yeah, Break I, was, it down. I was in a little bit of a D, a D mood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like how, so, I mean, it's, it's powerful. And in fact, I've yeah. even heard other people talking about it, about how double your dating, just the name alone really yeah. helped to catch. But I mean, just tell us, take us back to that moment. Like you've dabbled in these other businesses and you're like, you know, obviously being as good looking as you are, doesn't hurt, <laughs> but you're like, I got a unique skill and I got to share this thing with the world. Tell us about how this came to life, man. Well, okay, thank you on the good looking, but I'm telling you, I I never had a girlfriend when I was a kid. I never had a girlfriend in high school. No girls did not talk to me. So I, you know, I've never been one of those guys that uh, I've had friends that uh, are the ones where you know women just walk up to them and are you know interested. But I was I've never been that guy, you know. Um, but yeah, so. Okay, so what do you want to talk about here? Because that one, this is a huge topic. I mean, and I haven't really talked about this uh, very much in a long time. So do you want to talk about the marketing? You want to talk about the uh, the content? What do you want to do? What is the most valuable thing that we can, because there's so many people out there yeah. in that same position. You know, I think yeah. it's one of the most common. It's like, if you're listening to the show, 
you're somebody that wants to move the needle, whether it's in a company doing creative marketing or getting your own idea off the ground. So here you are, you're, you got that moment of inspiration, you're in the room for three days, you're banging away at the keyboard, right? But then you got to bring yeah. it to life. And yeah. Dean Jackson, obviously, you got a genius friend that never hurts, yeah. right? But but how how does it go from just being this thing to taking off? Well, because I've taught entrepreneurship for a lot of years right now, um, you know, there are a lot of theories and models of entrepreneurship. But what I've learned after starting a lot of different businesses and having several that have been really successful is that, um, you know, you have to have passion and you have to really be into whatever it is you're doing because business, you know, business gets hard. Now, it's not all hard, but a lot of it is hard. And there are challenges that you're going to go through where it's going to suck. Sometimes it sucks for weeks or months or God forbid, sometimes even years, and you need something to kind of carry you through it. And for me, the combination of, I mean, like I said, when I was young, I never had a girlfriend. And so I got up into my twenties and I said, I need to go figure out this dating thing. And I went and studied it and got an amazing girlfriend and then was watching what was happening with on, you know, online marketing. And I wrote this book and put it online. And it was at this intersection of things that were fascinating to me. Uh, mm. I was practicing and learning marketing, which was interesting. I was helping a lot of people, which was really cool because then I was getting a lot of feedback from it. Uh, I was studying and learning about an area of life that was really interesting to me. So I, I feel like the foundation is just make sure you've got passion in some way. When I see people that are, um, you know, these kind of uh, entrepreneurial hackers who are like, well, I have this niche yeah. and I'm making a product and I'm doing this thing. And then I say, well, do you care about the thing? And they go, ah, not really, but I think that there's money in it. I think, oh, you know, what a tragedy, because to me, it's much better to do something where, I mean, I could have made a lot more money if I would have done other things and made other choices in my life and my career. But I've chosen to do things where I made money, I made good money, but I got to do things that I really love and help people a lot. And because I've gotten to help people and see that it helped them and get that feedback, it's helped keep me in there when, you know, things get difficult and where you need to, uh, you know, really buckle down. I love that. And, and I think an important thing to kind of add on to that is, you know, because a lot of times I agree with you 100%. It's not just find the trend and ride the trend or where's the biggest demand, right? I, I feel yeah. like it's this intersection between, you know, this is what you love and this is where the attention is. This is where the opportunity is. And what you did with Double Your Dating, right? It wasn't just like you wrote the book, right? You wrote the book at a time when internet marketing was this new hot thing that not anybody was filling to that level. And you found that intersection and the thing took off. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's, you know, you got to have both things really to get to get that that big boost, I would think. Yeah, exactly. And you also have to really be listening to listening to the market, you know, and listening to people who have needs out there in the world. Uh, today, I would not be as successful with that exact same book because at that time, when I wrote that book and I put it online, it was still pretty new for men to go and learn about dating advice. And since then, since I wrote that book, there have been all of these different teachers and there have been like pickup artists all the way to, you know, kind of masculinity coaches. And there's a whole range of things right now. And so if, uh, if it was today, I would need to go and find a place I mean, I really like this idea of blue ocean strategy or creating new categories or being the first into a category. 
And that's a, that's a big piece for me because I think you want to be doing something, at least for me anyway, you want to be doing something where you're bringing new value, you're bringing new knowledge, you're bringing something that's interesting and fresh uh, to the world. And I mean, especially with AI right now, there, there are so many unexplored worlds to get into, to create courses, products, uh, to create uh, marketing. It's just, you know, and you can explore it all and you can have the help of these, uh, these new tools. So yeah, do something you're passionate about. Go where is, you know, a little edgy, a little bit cutting edge and then explore, create new territory. Uh, thank you for sharing that, man, because I don't yeah. feel like enough marketers, uh, marketing educators preach about that. <clears throat> because, you know, to me, I think it, it makes a ton of sense. You sell courses, I sell courses, programs, coaching, all of these mm -hmm. kind of things. Uh, and I'm a huge believer in, it. I mean, we do it for a reason, because it gives people such an advantage and such a head start. But I do believe that there has to be that extra something that you make it unique and fresh and you. You know, because if it was literally exactly the same thing as, you know, somebody who bought this Facebook ad course and you're just if you're just cookie cuttering it, I just don't think that the cookie cutter stuff works these days. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to just be a copycat and uh, and have it work. It is a strategy and a lot of people do it successfully. They just yeah. go and copy everyone and they do it a little bit better. And, you know, I mean, there's uh, there's no denying that it can work. But the other thing for me, too, is. I won't create uh, a teaching program or a course or a product unless I can see something about it that is adding something to the conversation, that's bringing something new, that's adding value in a new way. Uh, when, I mean, it, it might sound, you know, when I'm talking about teaching dating advice or writing books about dating or creating courses on it, that might seem like, you know, well, how deep could that be? But I'll tell you what, uh, when I started studying it myself, when I started saying, okay, I want to learn about communicating with the opposite sex and I want to learn how this whole dynamic works. I want to learn about the human mating dance. And I went in and I studied, I spent a few years, I read books, I went to seminars, I really tried to understand it. And when I started having insights about it and I started seeing how it worked for me, it was when I realized, okay, now I understand this finally. And I realized, oh, you can understand this. And then I realized that I had learned things that I had not read in any books that I hadn't seen anywhere. And then I started sharing them with my friends and seeing that they were saying, wow, this is really useful. And they would get a girlfriend or their life would get better. And I said, okay, now I feel like I can, you know, make a contribution here. I have something to say. Uh, so yeah, there's, um, you know, get really get into things, go spend some time in there. A lot of people think, well, I'm going to start a business, you know, I'm just going to start a business, business selling widgets, or I'm going to, you know, just create a course. Actually, no, you know, it's, it's really worth it to get in there and study the area and take it seriously until you have an insight and you realize something that everyone else hasn't realized yet, and then start teaching that thing. And, and that was from the first day that I met you, that was the thing that really hit me hard is like when this guy gets his head around something, he goes deep, you know, whether it's psychology and sales or whatever that thing is. And it's one of those things that's kind of hard to, to teach people. But um, Grant Cardone talks about it. He says, be obsessed or be average. And yeah. there needs to be this level of obsession. I mean, it's like, you know, you can you can run a Facebook ad 
Or you can go, oh, well, let me look at the five other companies in my industry that are doing this. Now let me look at, you know, 10 other companies outside of this industry. Oh, let me, you know, like yeah. there's that level of just getting into it because at least in my experience, and you can tell me if it's been different for you, it rarely hits at that, just that surface level basic kind of thing. It's when you just dig a little bit deeper and then you're like, Ooh, mm -hmm. that's unique. That's fresh. Nobody else yeah. has come with that, you know, because so many times, um, and, and you've done it time and time again with your courses, which is rare in our industry. But I think that you probably spend more time researching and strategizing than most, right? Like, like you take a general topic on, on something that you want to put out, like what's your, what's your, approach to it like for example yeah. um wake up productive right mm -hmm. is that is it i believe that's yeah. one of the courses I, and and for the record i've been a customer of evans i don't know if he knows this or not but for many years um so you've got this topic something that you want to, like what does that look like in terms of you starting to plot it out research it like what do you go into well my model uh maybe we can just like look at how i look at the world um when I was younger and I started studying self-help and personal development, uh, a lot of this happened because I was broke. I mean, I was doing manual labor. I was a rock and roll musician at my height. I've made $75 a week as a guitar player for a week and, you know, $10 an hour in my manual labor job. And in my early twenties, I just said, this isn't working for me. I had dropped out of high school. I had dropped out of my local community college. And so I went into real estate reasoning that, well, rich people seem to have real estate, you know, like they either made their money in real estate. So I'm like, well, let me go get a real estate license and I'll see. I was 22. I had a Camaro and a ponytail, you know, I'd like, cause I was a rocker, you know, I was a long haired rock and roller and nobody wanted to buy real estate from me. My first year in real estate, I sold one and a third homes and the home that, uh, that I sold the, the whole home was $59,900. <laughs> okay. And I made like $1,800. I mean, you know, almost nothing on this. And, uh, but this led me to realize, okay, uh, I need to go figure out how to get my own clients. And so I went to seminars, I read books, I bought courses and ran ads and did direct mail. And I don't think I've ever told you this stuff before, Matt, but no. all the first ads and all the first direct mail that I did didn't work at all. Like literally zero. I, you know, I went to a seminar, a real estate seminar, and I bought a book of ads and direct mail pieces. And one of them in there was uh, these postcards that they had made that had recipes on them. And the whole idea was you'd send these postcards to an apartment complex. And if you just kept mailing them every month, people would see your name and like a recipe, like a soup recipe. And then at some point when they wanted to buy a house, they'd think of you. Okay. So I'm like 22. I'm a young kid. I'm like, that sounds good. I could do that. So I bought this thing and I would stay up you know, late at my real estate office, photocopying the postcards because I couldn't afford to get them printed. And I went and got the uh, bulk mail stamp to save like five cents per thing. And I would stay up and stamp them and go to the post office and month after month, mail these postcards with you know soup and salad recipes to, and no one ever called. Like I literally got no calls and you know, then I went to another seminar and I bought another book of ads and this ad, the first ad that I ever paid to run in a paper, it was in a real estate uh, paper in Eugene, Oregon. And I thought this was ingenious. So, 
you know what a director's chair looks like with the, sure. the kind of canvas, you know, whatever fold up director's chair. So it had a picture. The whole ad was a big picture of an empty director's chair with a spotlight on it. And the headline said underneath it, it said, Eben Pagan is too busy helping people buy and sell homes to pose for pictures. And then it had like my real estate office name at the bottom. You know, because in real estate, everyone took their fancy pictures. And I thought, oh, man, people will get this. You know, this yeah. will be really genius. And of course, nobody called. You know, <laughs> like one of my one of my friends saw it and called me up and said, dude, I saw your ad. That was great. Uh, right? But literally nothing worked. So I'm saying this because I I had to go figure this out. And it took me, you know, whatever, a couple of years to learn about direct response marketing and then run a direct response ad. And the phone rang off the hook uh, and so forth and so on. But what it got me into was self-help and personal development. And I learned about people like Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and, you know, Dennis Waitley. And I started reading books and I discovered that you can actually learn really fast. You know, I learned about Evelyn Wood and speed reading and these kinds of things. And I learned, ah, when most people get a book, what they do is they take the book and then they open up the book and they read it from beginning to end. I mean, actually, what most people do is they don't read the book from beginning to end. Yeah. They read a little bit of it and then they put it down. But the ones that do read it, they feel like they're a prisoner in the book. And I learned that what you can do is open up a book and spend 15 or 20 minutes flipping through the whole thing. Read the table of contents, see if there are any bulleted lists, look if there's chapter summaries, see if the end of the book is chapter summaries. And that in 15 or 20 minutes, you can actually get a sense of a whole book and really you know, find many of the main ideas. And then you can decide, okay, do I really want to dig into this book? Do I want to read the whole thing or figure out which little sections that you want to read? And so by learning about what we might call accelerated learning or speed learning, this just kind of changed everything for me. Because then I learned, oh, if I want to learn about an area, I can just go buy 10 books, go find, okay, what are the best 10 books on this area? Go buy those books, sit down, spend a month getting, you know, really into these books, whichever the, you know, two or three best ones are, read those all the way through. The others kind of dip into, take notes, try to synthesize what I've learned. And, you know, maybe in several weeks or a month, I can get a real download. I can learn that key Pareto, like 1% that gets me 50% of the results. And once I realized this and I learned that you can do this, I just started doing it in every area of my life where I felt like I needed to learn, whether it would be food and health and fitness or dating and relationships or marketing or productivity or, you know, probably 20 other topics. Mm. And usually if, if it's an important topic, I'll go into it for longer than a month. You know, I'll be interested in it for a year or two or three, but once I, again, once I learned that you can learn the essence of something very quickly, and then you can go and practice and you can learn a few mental models and, a, and, you know, make a little reference group, get a mastermind together, make some friends and that you could pick things up so quickly. I was addicted, you know, and I just wanted to learn things. And then once I started teaching online, I realized other people want to learn all these things too. And so if I spend a year or two or three learning about something like productivity or like marketing or entrepreneurship or relationships or whatever else that I could create a course and teach that thing and that people really wanted to learn these things. It just, it all made sense to me. And so, yeah, the way I look at the world is when you come across an area of your life that things aren't working or you want them to work better, you first make the assumption Lots of people have spent their lives studying this area. Go get the best books. Go study the best people. Take at least a month or two or three and dive in there. 
and get yourself up to competence, you know? And once you've gotten yourself to competence, then take those skills and integrate them with the rest of your skills and synthesize it all. And in not too long, you can really change your life. We're learning how to learn with Evan Pagan. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. And I, I have not been as systematic as you have in terms of let's get 10 books, you know, like let's go. But um, I for years, uh, my wife thinks I'm crazy because I probably order five books a month. I once I used to read more books, you know, when I was younger, I've read all the, the core ones, but I probably only read one or two books from cover to cover a year, to be completely mm -hmm. honest. But what she doesn't get is I can have a book for 10 minutes and learn something that's going to change my life forever. And what I also love about that is now you've got all these reference guides. So you're going throughout life and you're like, oh, man. And then you're like, oh, this guy, you know. Uh, it, oh, D'Angelo on dating, that'd be handy. You know, you can kind of go and, and pick them up. But, you know, exactly what what you guys just heard right there, hopefully that that hits home, because in our world, you know, obviously, like just having intelligence helps. But in our in our space, Eben is is considered to be this person that is just this source of knowledge. And he just broke down how he fast forwards you know, a lot of this time, you know, and, and, and condenses it and, and really like almost sorting, you know, more than anything, like putting the time where it's most valuable. So I, I love that. And, and I'm guessing that one of those things not too many years ago that you did this process uh, with was artificial intelligence. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah. I mean, I read Ray Kurzweil 20 years ago, you know, he, he made a, uh, he wrote an essay called The Law of Accelerating Returns. I think it was in 2001. Um, I don't know. Have you read that essay of his by any chance? No, okay. but I'm going I to. really recommend, go check it out. It's worth okay. getting out every year or two and reading. It's called The Law of Accelerating Returns. It's Ray Kurzweil. And it's, I can't remember, 50 pages or 60 or 70 pages. It's pretty in depth. And in there, he really lays out and shows all of his charts and all of his graphs for this thing that he calls the law of accelerating returns, where he charted price performance in constant dollars of compute intelligence, basically. And he even went past computers and you know, it's like the evolution of intelligence across you know, biology and technology. And it showed that it's not just an exponential growth curve, but it's a double exponential growth curve. And he predicted back in, I think it was the late 80s or early 90s, that we would achieve artificial general intelligence in 2029. Okay, that was his call. And 20, 30 years ago, a bunch of the AI experts all got together and they all talked about it and they said, no, 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 we're not going to achieve artificial general intelligence, meaning like a sentient machine that's smarter than a human. Yeah. We're not going to achieve that for like a hundred years or a thousand years or, you know, a lot of them said never. And so every few years, they all kind of come back and they poll and they ask, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And you know, 10, 15 years ago, they were guessing like 50 or 100 years or something, you know, and then five years ago, they were saying it's going to be 30. Well, all of a sudden now, all of them are all saying it's going to be happening now by 2030. He was the one that saw it all coming. And so I've been watching all of this for a while. 2016 was the real year where I saw the game changers happen. That was when my, you know, like a dog, like one of my ears perked up and I said, what's going on here? And a few things happened then. Um, the first one was uh, AlphaGo 
which was Google's AI beat Lee Sedol at the game Go. Whipped him. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Nailed. And broke and the so mold with, and if, if you're not familiar with the, the game Go, it's, it's one of the greatest games ever made. Imagine checkers on steroids with infinite moves. And so here's this program. They're like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's ready. And it was blowing people's minds, like making moves. Like, why did it do that? You know, just exactly. Well, that's a great point. I'm really glad you mentioned that because it makes, it made moves that the champions didn't even understand. This happened with Gary Kasparov back in the nineties when deep blue beat him at, at chess. The, mm-hmm. it, ma- it makes moves that aren't human, right? So th- it beat him. Then the next thing that happened that was really interesting was Google's uh, Translate system. You remember Google Translate? You type something into it and it would come out in another language and it would be like bad uh, you know, vacuum cleaner instructions that were translated from some other language or something, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden in 2016, it like snapped into resolution. You could translate from any language to any language and it was better than a human. And what had happened was their AI had invented its own language and they named it interlingua. So what the AI would do is it would first take anything you put into it, it would translate it into its language and then drop it down into whatever other language. And the only curious part about this was the humans couldn't understand what the language was. They basically had no access to it because the machine created it. All right. So that was another one. And then the third one was they scanned all of Rembrandt's paintings into an AI and they asked it to create a painting as if Rembrandt had created it. This was some of the early generative AI. But what they also did was they scanned Rembrandt's paintings in high resolution in HD in 3D. So when they painted it, they 3D printed the painting. So when you turned it sideways, not only was it a new painting that no one had ever seen that looked like a Rembrandt, but when you turned it sideways, it had all the brush strokes too. Those three things happened in 2016. I saw them and I said, this is it right here. This is the, the year where it's all going to, uh, to change. And so, yeah, I've paid attention to it. And I've actually had an AI startup now for oh five plus years with uh, Peter Diamandis, who's the futurist. And so I've had some behind the scenes. We got access to uh, GPT-3, maybe 18, 24 months before it came out to the public. So I just have a sense of this stuff. Um, I, it's, it's super clear that this is going to be the biggest game-changing thing that's ever happened to humans. It's probably the biggest thing that's ever happened since life itself. And almost no one is uh, ready for it. And so I think we all really have to pay some attention here. Yeah, the the CEO from Google said something along the lines of this is more profound for humanity than fire, electricity and the Internet. Agreed. Uh, And it's and it's this thing um, because I think now people know it's a big deal, right? There's it's it's you're hearing about it enough. You can't be like, I don't know if this artificial thing, you know, like it's it's a thing. So for the average person that's listening to this and, 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 you know, maybe has been hesitant for whatever reason or is a little uncertain, let me first address something because this is probably one of the better conversations I've been able to get in about AI for quite some time. So you talked about general intelligence or artificial general intelligence. And just to kind of make that this completely clear for people. Like Eben said, eventually that could turn into robots, you know, running around, which, you know, we've all seen Terminator could be scary or it could be a beautiful thing. We don't really know. 
Um, but there's a lot of levels of general, general intelligence. And um, really, I don't know if this is me calling any shot, right? Because this is probably known by anybody in the industry. To me, what the next big deal is, is that um, GI, general intelligence, is, is now starting to manifest on your computer screen, which is still, you know, or, or on your phone, which is the thing that we use, you know, more and more. Because it's one thing to go to chat gb3 a chat bot that's playing in its own field but when general intelligence kicks in now what's happening is we're going oh hey can you add mary to my database and you've got this assistant that's just going boop, 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 and things are just getting done for you so general intelligence is just you know turning it like creating real world moving pieces right which takes artificial intelligence and and really takes it to the next level would you agree that GI is kind of like, is that the next big thing? Yeah. What most people don't realize is that uh, right now, uh, GPT-4 tests at a 155 IQ. 155 is uh, roughly a 1 in 10,000 person IQ. It's 1% of 1%. And it's highly creative. It can synthesize. It can create art. It can create poetry that's way better than most humans, and it can do it all instantly, okay? So we're talking like thousands of times faster than a person, and it basically has read and listened to everything that humans have created, and it's trained on it, and it can answer questions about anything. You can ask it questions about psychology, biology, physics. So there's this idea called the Turing test, right? The idea that someday maybe we'll invent a machine that you won't be able to tell whether it's a human or a machine. And most people agree, most people that interact with this agree that it has basically shredded the Turing test on many, many measures, maybe yeah. not all of them. But the problem now is if, if it was gonna trick you into convincing you that it was a human, it would have to dumb itself down by like a thousand times because it's so ridiculously intelligent and fast right now. So most people are still thinking that this is like fancy Google or something, and it is not at all. This is actually something that can write original papers. It can do original research. It can synthesize original ideas, and it can do it hundreds or thousands of times faster than even the fastest person could do it. So we got to get that we're already there. Um, I don't think I've shown you this, uh, this stuff, Matt, but you know, here uh, I've been using, I, I do, I have a lot of uh, little demos I do and so forth. Right. So, well, uh, yeah, we'll start here. Right. So 1850, this is a telegraph. Okay. So this was the first electronic form of uh, communication. And this is from 5,000 years ago, you know, written clay tablets yeah. kind of thing. So and this, and this, what you're holding in your hand is less than 200 years ago. Right. Exactly. This so this is 1850 right yeah. here. Okay. And you'd tap this thing and these clicks would send messages across wires and every set of clicks, you'd take multiple clicks for one letter. So it would take a long time to transmit a message. It was $30 a word to send with this. The average email right now is 434 words. It would have been $13,000 to send the average email over this system in 1850. Okay. You fast forward and you get to things like uh, the telephone, right? I've got an older one here, but right. So it moves from clicks to now we can have voice like this, but then you go to 1984 and you get to here. 
Okay, so this right here, this is, remember the brick phone? Oh, this yeah. is the Motorola DynaTAC 8000. This was $10,000 in today's money and six or $8 a minute. Here, check this out. This is my favorite part of this thing. That's the battery, <laughs> okay? That's the battery. It took 10 hours to charge and gave you 30 minutes of talk time. Wow. Okay, when I got this thing, I put it in the charger and it actually fired up, which uh, kind of blew my mind, okay? Fast forward another 10 years, Okay, this is a little bit more, 1996, StarTac, remember this? Mm -hmm. First flip phone. Okay, so this is the battery now, 12 years later, and that's an hour of talk time and charged much faster. By the way, this thing is, goes from, a, from pounds to ounces, from $10,000 to about $2,500. And you know this thing's got memory and so forth, but then that's nothing compared to another 10 years later, 2007, so 11 years, right? Steve Jobs walks on stage with the iPhone one, and now you got four gigs of memory. Now you've got a supercomputer in your pocket. It's connected to the internet. It's got a phone on it, right? And this is $750, $750 to $1,000. And then another 10 years later, I'm wearing an Apple watch here. This Apple watch is 10 times as powerful as this iPhone was. Okay, so I'm showing these because this is exponential change. This is the rate of exponential change. This is Moore's law, the doubling of price performance about every 18 to 24 months. AI has a 155 IQ today as we record this, and it's not doubling every 18 to 24 months. It's 10xing a year, right? The last estimate I heard was $10 billion a month are going into AI investments right now. So it's really a very, very, very big deal. It's way bigger than most people think. And we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. A lot of people are worried. A lot of people are thinking that this is going to, it's over for the human species, you know, and a lot of people are thinking that it's utopia coming. I really believe that whatever it is, we all need to learn about it. We need to learn the language of prompting. We need to be practicing with it. We need to get up to speed so that when we have hard decisions to make down the road, that we're all educated about them. Yeah, absolutely. Because no matter where it goes, I mean, there's more intelligent influential people than us that probably will have more influence, you know, on, on the overall all direction. But at the end of the day, if we know that's where we're going, why would we not take advantage? I mean, if, if it, if, if it does turn into Terminator two, I'm, I'm going to look back and go, Oh, I'm really glad. Remember when we used to have AI work for us, you know, like let's, let's take advantage of it. And, and it's crazy too, because, People think just because it's been in the news so much and it's all you're hearing about for the, like the last six months to a year that it's like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of like almost like played out and they don't realize. I mean, would you agree? I mean, this thing is still in its infancy. It's the and, yeah. and, and if you look at major corporations, you know, they are making heavy investments and those investments are getting bigger every single day. But I venture yeah. to say that I don't know the stat, but. I mean, it's less than 20% of Americans have used chat GPT at this point. You know, like what percentage of small businesses would you guess are even utilizing the most basic AI? It's virtually none, well, right? Yeah, exactly. I've been teaching a lot of AI and teaching prompting. And even when people come to my classes and they say that they're using it regularly and that they're prompting regularly, um, after doing some education, some training, learning some practices, almost all of them say, I had no idea what this was. Like, mm. I had no idea what the potential was. And we're, we're still in kind of slow motion here. I mean, Matt, in uh, 
I'm going to make this number up, but you know, in nine or 12 months, we're going to be able to go into virtual reality and interact with human looking entities and be able to just interact real time, talk, gesture, and it's going to understand what we mean. And we're going to be able to interact with things that appear native, except yeah. they're going to be far more intelligent. And because we're going to, I mean, the Apple Vision's coming out soon. And because we're going to be in VR and AR, it's going to be like a, a virtual creative space, a virtual world, right? Much, massive change is coming. Unbelievable. Most people are not preparing for it. So I think we need to be prompting every day. You know, uh, work, I, I, I basically just think of it like it's an extension of my brain now, kind of like Google or something. Mm. And when I'm working on anything that is stumping me or challenging me, I go and check in and ask what the generative AI has. My, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. I was a dating guru, you know, in a past life. And my wife is a love coach. We teach, we teach mm. courses uh, and te- do programs occasionally on romantic partnership, collaboration, and so forth. Like we, we know a thing or two about this. Um, maybe a month ago, I was in an argument with my wife and we were fighting about something. I was very frustrated. And I remembered, I was like, you know what? Let me just go check. Let me see what ChatGPT has to say about this. And so I sat down and I wrote a long prompt and I really explained in detail my personality, her personality, what we were arguing over and so forth. And I asked it to, you know, give me some ideas. And Matt, it gave me like 10 ideas. Every one of them was super solid about looking at each other's perspectives and seeing things through her eyes. And it was, it was really, you know, just, just mind boggling. So yeah, you got to use it. You got to use it. Whether you're writing ads, whether you're talking to a client, whether you're, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, communicate with your kids, whatever it is, just go and ask it, get some feedback. I think it's going to surprise you. I, I think so too. It's it. Get the app. If you don't have the app, get the app yeah. because it's yeah. just, as Evan mentioned, it's like, think of it as that coach, right? And this is coming from somebody who coaches coach coaches. And yeah. I've, I've had the same life coach for well over a decade now. And, you know, the, the thing is about it, you'll never replace a human coach, but it's such a powerful thing to think that, you know, all, all the successful people that I know have people that they advise, you know, and now this thing that's got 155 IQ that literally is here at any given second and you can type it in and get immediate feedback. Like a, another thing that you should be doing is have chat GPT, like literally around our conference table. Whenever we have a meeting, we pull up a chair for chat GPT. And that way we think of it as another entity in the room, you know, and, if, and, and there's a lot of times where it's not just a great opinion. It's like, all right, we'll just go ahead and start that while we're doing this. And it's like we come back and it's like, oh, OK, we got 15 hooks here. We got pop, 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 pop. Oh, that's the one. So it, it, you got to You got to use it. And, you know, the, the thing is, is just get in front of it. Because it's going to be this thing that's like, you couldn't imagine going through your life and not using the internet today. Everybody uses the internet in every, for every capacity of their life. I don't, it's not going to be the same by any stretch, but I mean, it's going to get to a point where everybody's using AI and everything that they do. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's basically like, um, 
it's like what the car and the airplane are for transportation versus walking. Yes. It's like that, but for thinking. Yes, I, I totally agree. Um, Evan, this has been, uh, this has been awesome. Um, I was so excited to get on here and talk to you about AI. Uh, so with our audience and, and you know, that, you know, these are, these are people who are out trying to change the world and, and really get their message across. Is there any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave them with? Yeah. Keep learning and growing and most importantly, learning about yourself. You know, if you haven't taken every personality type quiz out there, you know, if you haven't taken the big five and Enneagram and, you know, Myers-Briggs, and if you haven't taken all of them and really got into them and tried to use these as reflections, um, if you haven't done shadow work, if you haven't really tried to understand your kind of Jungian archetypes, Go learn about all these things because each one, learn your love language. Each one of them gives you some insight into your gifts, your genius, your values, your unique take on reality. And the clearer that you can get on what your gifts are and what your blind, sp blind spots are, the clearer you can then get on how to develop yourself because then you can go and find others and you can find, you know, teachers and coaches and people who would specialize and role models and you know, build a, a community, but really get to know yourself, understand your potential, and then develop it and use it to create a huge amount of value in the world, because that's how you will not only feel more fulfilled, but it's also how you'll make a contribution, how you can build a business, how you can create value and get paid. Yeah, just, just keep finding your potential and developing it. Love that. Learn you. And that's so much of what we believe in here too, right? We're, yeah. we're learning from people like this, not how they do it, but how we can do it. So I, that is some of the best advice we've ever gotten on the show. Um, learn about you and then take it to the world as only you can do it. So Evan, been, been a ton of fun, man. I truly, truly appreciate you. Great to, to get the chance to connect. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Great being here. Booyah, there you are. Hopefully you got a ton out of this lesson. I mean, really just to think about anything that you're trying to achieve, how to approach it in a fundamental different way. This should be something that really changes your approach to just about anything you do in life. So uh, if you got value from this and if you want to get your hands on some juicy, juicy bonuses, you need to go right now to marketinglegends.com slash Eben. That's marketinglegends.com slash E-B-E-N. And when you do, you can donate as little as a dollar. Eben was here to support a very good cause, Charity Water. Obviously, there's nothing more important on this planet than making sure people have clean drinking water. So for a buck, you can help a great cause and help yourself with some business building tools. That's marketinglegends.com slash Eben. And if you're enjoying this podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you would just take a minute, leave a review, whether it's on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to, and send it to a friend. There's lots of different marketing podcasts out there, but I'd like to think we come from a different approach and we can truly help whoever that person in your life is who wants to get their message out to the world. So with that said, I appreciate you listening and I'll see you on the next episode. This has been Marketing Legends. Go big, give back, be legendary.